Hello, freaks, and welcome to Radical Research. This is episode 92. Hello, Hunter Ginn. Hello, Mr. Wagner. Your Deserts of Hex is out now at radicalresearch.org. That's your, uh, we're calling it a journal or a zine, or I think just a fine literary document, Le left fieldisms, we'll say. Um, anything you want to say about it? Because uh, let's sell some more. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, if you are a fan of radical research, you'll probably be interested in Deserts of Hex. And I've got my books at radicalresearch.com, Soul on Fire, and The Fates Warring Biography destination onward we'll soon be getting new shirts sometime this year but here we are episode 92 and we're talking about an album from 1991 before we get into it hunter i had an idea for something we might be able to sell in the radical research store uh that could just go out like hotcakes mm. um sadistic execution wind chimes um these would be tube tubular bells on wind chimes that are calibrated to play any given sadistic execution song in its random sequence that wind chimes will bring you lathered in the blood of posers do you know anybody that makes wind chimes because i'm i'm all about this i can probably i i guarantee you like between you know asheville and savannah there <laughs> some, are, hipster, there are, some hipster yeah we yeah like so, yeah a bunch of you know uh feral hippies that probably make a living either selling blood to buy weed or making wind chimes right um so yeah we we probably make that happen cool right on um yeah cool so last crack this is an album that uh kind of like our previous show on atheist we are kind of surprised we didn't do it within the first five or 10 episodes because it's one of our shared passions. Um, it's something that I think bonded us early on the way things like No Means No and Mind Over Four did. Almost uh, immediately because um, when you and I first began to correspond, when I felt like I finally had your attention, um, I submitted to you what would have been my uh, top 30 of the uh, 1990s. Yeah. And I, if memory serves me, um, this album was number seven on that list. And I remember you saying, oh, shit, last crack. Not just last crack, but burning time. I think there's there's something important there, too. There, uh, there is. The only thing I want to say before we take that apart is that um, for once, we I don't un unpack that. Un yeah, unpack that. Whatever, dude. Well, let's get this suitcase out. Let's let's throw let's throw the clothing out of it and look and see what's inside. How about we're on we vacation, bitches? Oh, we are. <laughs> we're in the Bahamas, baby. <laughs> and when, no, we're in Wisconsin. We're in Wisconsin, Matt. That's where <laughs> we're going. I, yeah, I have a lot to say about Madison too. It, it's a place that's close to my heart. But no, I, I we have no notes. I literally have not one single. Note. I have not did not a single note. The closest thing I have up is the Metal Archives page on them so we can reference the members. I know all of their names, but I just want to make sure that we we get it right always. But the point being that this is a special album for us. I don't know that you can say we're like huge Last Crack fans. I like the first album, and let's get into that one. That is a thing called Sinister Funk House number 17. Came out in 1989 on Road Racer Records. And I think from this point on we're just going to call it roadrunner because i think it wasn't burning time rc or something or yeah yeah well uh, yeah, i don't know was, yeah roadrunner road racer and rc yeah. rc we're, we're like yeah i don't think last crack was on rc but um we're just gonna call it roadrunner because that's it's the same thing as far as i'm concerned um, what was believer on RC, like rc roadrunner i don't know okay the thing that the thing uh, that begins right, with I'm, I'm taking us off track the thing that begins with the r 
Okay. But Sinister Funkhouse 17 is sort of an interesting album because it had a cover that not a lot of people liked. I'm fine with it. I don't have a problem with it. But Funkhouse, it's not funk for one. And this is 1989. So it was no. so misleading. They were more of just an alternative heavy metal band. And there's a lot of metal, a lot of real true traditional metal in Sinister Funkhouse. Wonder what your your history with is with this album because we always talk about Burning Time. We hardly ever ever talked about the first one. So I oddly own uh, Sinister Funk House on two different formats. Um, oh wow! Despite the fact that I don't totally love it, it always struck me as sort of a heavy metal, nothing shocking. Oh, interesting. Ooh. Um, yeah yeah i think because of butto's voice butto butto is the vocalist he goes simply as it, butto, butto. It, it's, it's a record without a totally clear identity yes um, and it was really sort of stunning so I, I i say that i say it was stunning i did not know that record when it came out um i i knew i mean i was pretty young when burning time came out i got burning time when it came out but i was i was 12 wow. so I, I did not know sinister funk house okay. but going back to it it struck me as a you know a, a band in in a sort of embryonic state but a band with you know obviously a lot of promise but I, i'm reading back into that sure it's an interesting album i like i like it i've always had it around I used to have it on two formats and and I think I got rid of the, the vinyl, kept the CD. It's good, but boy, we can't stress enough how two years later they'd make this leap into something that we both think is one of the most underrated albums of the 90s and just simply one of the best. Yeah. yeah. With that in mind, we're going to listen this, to Matt. This is one of those episodes. I'm sorry, man. I didn't no, no, go, go ahead. Like, this is one of those episodes where I barely even care about talking. I care about playing. This is an evangelical episode for me. Like, I want people that have not heard this album to hear this. And I hope that we've represented it well. And I hope they go out and just buy it and go absolutely batshit for it. I, I hope so, too. The caveat here for me is, like, I think you have to be a certain kind of listener. Or at least you do as you listen to this. Because there's there's kind of a headspace right there's there's this area that they move in that's not for everybody it will sound very 90s i don't mean that in a bad way but i think that it sounds of its time um that's a neutral statement but i think for some people that could be bad because I, it's um it's it's probably a slicker more rounded and potentially commercial album one of the one of the most we've ever featured on the show well, anyway. it produced by dave jordan for one of um, course yeah you know i very commercial rock producer, Allison Chains, Talking Heads, Jane's Addiction. Maybe that's a you know a tie-in there. Why do I think he did Armored Saint Symbol of Salvation? He did do Armored Saint Symbol. Yeah, of he did yeah, a lot I, of things. Yeah, and he's got and, a touch. He's got a touch because you can hear his work. If you know Symbol, there's a similarity to Burning Time in terms of of the of the rounded, bright. Sure just beautifully captured slickness of it all really but to i mean facelift too face yeah, you know, yeah this, exactly this kind of you know like both a sensitivity and a gloss to it it is a commercial record but like it's also um it's a very earnest record yeah and butto i think you need to be in a headspace to accept butto because he, he is a man who is unapologetic about 
himself. Yeah, and that's yeah. one of the things that makes him amazing. But we, you know, it, it, like this is an irony-free zone. <laughs> absolutely, always had, dude. We absolutely. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't do anything that was was doing it for the irony of it. Yeah, fuck fuck yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, th this is yeah. Fuck irony. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go. This is a, that's a good entry into Wicked Sandbox. We're going to go in order. We're just going to try to uh, convey what why we love this album so much. Uh, and here we go. Last crack from the Upper Midwest, Madison, Wisconsin. I don't know that I could be friends with anyone who doesn't love that. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> no, okay, maybe not. Maybe not love it, but but at least um, accept it. That is just about everything that I believe in in music. 
<laughs> I mean, it, it would have come at the right time for you, uh, getting into metal and alternative rock uh, as your sort of go-tos when you first developed the passion, if I'm not mistaken. It's just, yeah, it's just about perfect for me. Yeah, I mean, well, me too. And it hit me at a different time in my life. I mean, now that we're 10, you know, I'm 53 and you're 43, it doesn't really come into it so much. I'm, I'm, when I'm you for now. Okay, 44. When you, but when you compare 12 to 22, like I, you know, we're living very different lives at that time. I'm in the Midwest. I'm close to them. I'm in a band that's playing in Madison. I remember their name being around a lot. Uh, I never saw them live because they didn't really seem to go out of Madison too often, at least not, not down our way. But um, I, I, I recognized a very Midwestern vibe to them for one. Uh, I, you know, I, I have a hard time putting my finger on that probably because I'm too close to it. Like I can't see the forest for the trees, but um, for me, yeah, I hit a lot of right buttons too. Cause I was getting into uh, everything from the Seattle stuff to uh, was always into various metal, uh, which we hear in a lot of those, that riffing is they're still a very metal band. It's just that they, they move easily. And I think very, yeah, very easily outside of metal as well. It's not, mm. they're kind of capturing both of those things, eighties, heavy metal and, what was known as the Northwestern sound. I, I hear a lot of Seattle isms in this. Do you? Oh yeah, totally. Um, it just, yeah, I think it's just a sort of a shared spirit, but I mean, there was just so much of that kind of um, freedom and eclecticism in the air during that time. Yeah. And about so like Dave Jordan um, would have been really tapped into that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think it was kind of right producer, right time, right band, right album. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was just everything at the right time, except... And, and when I say Seattle, like Soundgarden, this is more Soundgarden-ish than, say, Nirvana-ish, obviously. So I, I'm not, you know, Seattle... Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I, yeah, no. I Seattle wasn't one thing, but it was a spirit. These guys certainly are a little finer, prettier, more elaborated uh, in terms of the details of the production and the songs and the performance. More but, metal, too. And simply more metal, sure. The next song, <laughs> so Mini Toboggan, um, it comes as number two and uh, flat out my, my favorite Last Crack song, one of my favorite songs of all time. I feel like this is just has such emotive power and that's saying a lot on an album that's uh, all kinds of emotive power. But um, this one rings home partly because uh, there is a Midwest connection here and that is sledding when you're a child and how magical it is it mentions a school bus. So it's not a day off. I, I always looked at sledding. Like when we had snow days, you would go sledding because yeah. it meant I got to shovel a lot of snow and then I get to go sledding. That, that was Iowa life. And there were a lot of those days as I was growing up. And um, I can tell that these guys experienced that as well. Now they're coming home on a school bus, according to the lyrics, but the, 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 the emotion is the same, like the thrill and the magic of getting on your toboggan or whatever kind of sled you have is as a child is one of the most magical things. And I guess that's also a difference, not in age for us, but in geography, because you didn't really know sledding yet. You also really connected this song too. Uh, it, it's just because you can, I guess because you can, and I think this is a sort of universal song, because you can hear the sense of childlike wonder and magic in it. Absolutely. It's really got like almost Wordsworthian. Um, no, no, I, I, you know, I, I'm trying to think how old I was before I saw snow. I was probably 10 or 11 and it was in North Carolina. Um, <laughs> yeah, wow. 
uh, I mean, I, dude, I can't tell you how many Christmases I spent in a pair of jams. Like I, I you know, that, that was totally alien to me. That's just um, wrong. I don't think they should allow Christmas like, you know, where they don't get hot, hot Christmas. Yeah. Hot Christmas. No, <laughs> doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Um, you know, I, I would always watch these, uh, these Christmas films when I was a kid and it was like, I had no idea what that was like. It, and, it, and it really was, it was, it instilled in me a sense of deprivation. This is a legitimate Christmas. And then why am I sweating? Yeah, but here but we are. To, but with me, Toboggan being, you know, it's song, it's music. We don't necessarily have to experience something to feel what the artist is giving to us well, in and, song. And, and that was and that was it and i mean that's how communicative this this song is and how evocative um because you you can have no idea what this is like as i did not as a child and you still feel what butto is trying to tell you it's a beautiful and salient point but i also want to just ruin everything by saying fucked like a knife by cannibal corpse where i don't have to have been fucked by a knife to know that I am, um, the emotion is coming through on that song that's true <laughs> <laughs> okay let's just play me to Bogan and come out and try to, I'll, I'll try i'll try to <laughs> Okay. The, yeah, yes, the one of the <laughs> high points in um in 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 metals poetry. Anyway. Fucked by a knife. But I think it's a pretty good point. You know, I, I mean slaves fucked it, by it, knife. Like you don't right. yeah, you you haven't done either, but you can feel these songs. You can feel many times. Yeah, you know, um you can feel I'd like to I you know, I'd like to be in a mini toboggan. I'm quite grateful that I've never been fucked by a knife. So what about getting fucked by a knife in a mini toboggan? Oh, Ooh. Well, well you know, I mean, the blood might clot better in the cold. But whilst slutter. <laughs> we are ruining the show. And without further ado. If anybody from Last Crack yeah. is listening, we are so sorry. Mini Toboggan's way more important than that. Let's let's give it a listen. Also, I, I think this it should be noted <laughs> that this is all your fault. It is. <laughs> I'll I'll take it.
Uh, <laughs> I don't, I, I barely know what to say. Even a snippet of it, not the whole song has impact, incredible impact on me. I mean, he's talking about the hay bill and the icy water to make a ramp. I mean, I've gotten bloody noses from that exact thing. I mean, it's so descriptive. And it's, again, it's, it's, it's song that brings you back to childhood in a way that um, I can't think of anything that is better. I, there are songs that will take you to childhood. I think a lot of music will somewhat exist to have that effect in a way. It's carefree. You're surrendering. I could go on about that too, but I won't. And it's a, a fearless kind of lyricism. Well, it is. Yeah, um, exactly. It, like it's not figurative. Um, I mean, he's literally just embracing the magic of his own childhood. Jefferson, that's where he lived. Jefferson Street, I'm, I'm assuming. 3.30, school's out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the, the icy, the hay bale and icy water, the ramp, uh, feel, feel this little man with his, I mean, and even the reference to evil Knievel, like he's coming from a place of somebody, my generation, my age, because when I was sledding, evil Knievel was very important to me. Like in the seventies, <laughs> if you were a kid, like that, that man was uh, a God, you know, it, he was incredible. Yeah. It, it, it wouldn't work. I don't know if, if if younger kids or younger people listening to music in their 20s and 30s, if they get that reference or if it's as powerful. But for me, uh, that's why this song has such an incredible pull. I'm almost losing my words talking about it. It's it's a very emotional song. So, yeah, I think that's about all I, I wanted to say about it. But um, it, great beauty. Musically, it's just a, just a luminously beautiful piece of songwriting. So we go forward. This is one of those albums that has an album cover and artwork where I'm not sure I love it. I'm not sure it was at least rendered as beautifully as they had it in their heads. But for me, what it stands for musically transcends the artwork. What, what do you think of it? I love the band cover on the back. I love that. Actually, no, I actually kind of like the the cover. Yeah? Yeah, I do. I have no problem with it. The perspective of Mudman is just, it's out of perspective for me, I guess. Mm. Uh, whatever that is. Is that Papa Magaya or Downbeat Dirt Messiah or... Anyway, anyway, and they have a they have a logo. It could be, it not, could, it could be uh, Mac Balassus. <laughs> Mr. Balassus, as you know him. Uh, and and they you, don't you may know him. Yeah, they don't really have a logo, but um, uh, who cares? The decoration and the beauty is in the songs. We're going to listen to a song called Energy Mind, and we're going to follow that with the oh. title track. My burning time. This, I believe, um, before we get into it, was the single, correct? Energy Mind? Yeah, I think I had a CD single, and Energy Mind was the single on this record. I would guess so. Let me ask you this question. If uh, Energy Mind wasn't a single, what would you have picked? Um, Maybe the title track. That was my answer, too. That's funny. Okay. I wouldn't right. do mini toboggan only because it's so specific and I mean yeah no 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 I wouldn't I wouldn't have picked I mean that that's probably my favorite song too but like it's not it's not a single yeah. it's an album cut yeah the energy mind my burning time we're gonna listen to them together because these are the either the singles or the prospective ones.
So yeah, that's not an argument uh, as to why this fan should have been huge. Not sure what is. Yeah. Um. Also, uh, another influence that I picked up just now that I've never really thought about much was uh, the cult. You say uh, the cult, I say you too, but I think we're kind of aiming okay, well, in, in a similar direction because yeah, it's English. I think his voice always to me was like a, like a bon, early Bono, which for me is great. Mm-hmm. Um, soaring, the kind of stuff you get from him on like New Year's Day or whatever, but like cult, I can hear that too. I think the cult were always a little more, like a little more straightforward. I don't know, but, like not, not on love so much. I mean, that to me is yeah. a very psychedelic record. Yeah. You know, I'm not a yeah. cult aficionado, so I'm, I might be talking out of my ass. Yeah, well, you you just keep that talk in your ass, sir. <laughs> Good lord. Okay, so you make a great point. Let me let me hear about the cult more because I I know where you're aiming. Sonic Temple. There's yeah, some Sonic Temple of, here. Yeah. Yeah, just that like that mystical sort of wide-eyed like alpine rock, but like you you hit the nail on the head with early U2 as well because that's exactly and it is that sort of um, that emotional nakedness that you would encounter in early U2, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like, you know, and, and U2 was very much kind of a reaction against the, um, that slate gray agnostic mood of a lot of post-punk. Like For they sure. were a band that was willing to, you know, go out on a limb and feel something. And, and and this is very, very openly emotional rock and roll. For sure. I think we can square it up with both Cult and U2, and we can also look at those bands and Last Crack, and especially those two songs we just heard, and it's about passion. And I'll even say love. We're going to get yeah, into some, that, some, yeah, yeah, some yeah. territory that we rarely get into here uh, on our podcast, but certainly I hear... You know that mood of falling in love for the first time, not staying in love, not being in love 10 years later, 15 years later, 20 years later, that giddiness, that natural high of falling in love with some someone or something, you know, with cult, I think it was physical love with you too. I think it was spiritual love. And I think the last crack through Butto, especially with his wailing, his earnestness, his soaring, you know, we hear that in my burning time. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And then, and then it's going to come back big time on blue fly fish sky, which when I think of like the few times I've really deeply fallen in love with a girl, blue fly fish sky comes to mind. <laughs> There's yeah. something about it. Over, and, and over so, the edge feeling. Yeah. And, and, and it's a little scary, but it's just so exciting and new. I think this album evokes that probably better than anything I can think of right now. And then it's through a band who kind of on another side of things we haven't really discussed quite yet is like Promised Land era Queensryche, maybe Empire era Queensryche, maybe Perfect Symmetry and Parallels era Fate's Warning. Like they touch there, Last Crack does. It's in a more rock context, but certainly fans of those albums by those bands, you'd think also would be tuned into this pretty heavily. Sure, sure. Yeah, no question. Let's move on to something very metal. I think this is the most metal song on this album. And I think this evokes Sinister Funkhouse number 17, probably better than any of the other songs on Burning Time. And that's a little thing called Precious Human Stress.
talk about this band ad nauseum but tell me that you don't hear goddess era mind over four in that oh that's another one yeah that they're they're totally in that grouping totally and i mean like that you know they're yeah they're kindred spirits you know but like i just totally hear that yeah yep that would have been a tour along with probably bullet la volta uh, yeah, oh yeah, I'd been a pretty good tour. <laughs> Degroitzen, Bullet Lavolta. Oh yeah, we're in Last Crack. Can we do a whole Wisconsin thing? Last Crack, Degroitzen. Oh and, yeah. Well, true. Realm Realm wouldn't really. Yeah, we'll throw it. Realm in there. Shit, we'll, we'll you know White Fear Chain. We'll talk about White Fear Chain in a little bit. Yeah, that's that's a great song. That and it, yeah, if you don't hear it, you don't hear it. You can turn this off now because if we haven't convinced you with mini toboggan my burning time and precious human stress you you won't get it and that's fine we still love you uh, we'll see you next we, time we we love we love you we love satan we love mini toboggans you know love who else everybody. i love who's that craig you know i love craig too and so who is craig i don't know craig, yeah because it's Let, not that we love craig is that craig loves Somebody in this band, maybe? Tap the brakes, tap the brakes. Let's let's fill people in because if you if you're listening and you know this album, you'll know what we're talking about. If if you don't know this album, you'll be like, what the fuck are these guys on right now? Um, this is this is a song called Love Craig, and it's love, comma, Craig, as sort of a sign-off on a letter, perhaps. Uh, that's the way I always looked at it. Yeah. But yeah, who's Craig? Why Craig? Uh, Craig's writing to somebody. We're going to f- try to find out through this snippet. I, I doubt we'll solve hey, it. Why, why do you kiss other cold? Why can't you just kiss the cold? Well, <laughs> dude, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to that. Right. We'll get to yeah, that right. in a second. I'm I can't just saying, it. man. I'm just saying everything's, you know, is you know, <laughs> dogs laying with cats. You know, everything's so confusing right now. Dude, dude, dude. one idiosyncratic song <laughs> at a time. Okay. 
That might be the most solidly Seattle-esque tune that we've heard so far. Yeah, it has that kind of more of a straightforward rock lurch. I mean, I, for lack of better terminology. It does. A, it has that sort of suggestive Middle Eastern vibe, too, that I think was sort of de rigueur at the time, the early 90s. Interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, it's, it's a great track. It would be, um, I don't know, it'd probably be one of the songs that I might play for someone where I'm trying to get them into this album. Well, especially if they were, you know, more in tune with Seattle Northwest Sound stuff from yeah. that from this era. There's really not a dot on this album. I mean, you know, we're gonna we're gonna keep going, but um, we should mention the other guys. We talked a lot about Budo, and he's such uh, uh, an easy focal point to to have uh, as you listen. Such charisma, and we'll say it again, emotion. But you know, the, the, if you've been, what's that? I said, and rarely clothed. And rarely, yes, he does. He does like to go around nude sometimes, doesn't he? But also, you know, if you've been listening and, and intently at all, you can hear that like this band is hot. This band is killer. These guys are great. Uh, they have great chemistry and they have great personality. Todd Winger plays bass. And his rhythm partner on drums is Phil uh, Berstata. Berstata. I don't know how to say that. He died 10 years ago. Uh, rest in peace. And he was the only guy that went on to anything remarkable, which was um, a few white zombie singles in like 93, 94 or something like that. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it is. Do, do you know? I mean, you're more of a white zombie. I am. I am a, I'm a fan. 93, 94 than I am. 
I followed them for a little while. They got really tiring for me at one point where I was like, I never need this band again in my life, but I respect them. And I know you're a fan. So do you know these songs he's on? Like I am hell and feed the gods. Oh 99. yeah. Totally. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing that this guy ended up in, in, in well, White I mean, Zombie. You can hear like, like how well these guys can play. Oh yeah. You know, I mean like these, these dudes are all pretty much gunslingers. Well, speaking of gunslingers, let's name Paul Schluter and Don Bakken as the guitarist. Let's move on. And speaking of idiosyncratic song titles that we don't know, and, and one of the reasons we don't know about Love Craig or Kiss A the Cold, uh, they didn't print the lyrics in the booklet. Of course, we can figure most of them out, but that still doesn't give any great clue, which I like about I like about Last Crack. Poetic, a uh, little, yes. little bit veiled, a little bit vague, but the emotion's there. They do have a nice series of quotes in the booklet, you know, stuff from H.G. Uh, Wells, uh, Bob Dylan, who we hate his music, but he's always good for a good quote. I think we can agree on that. William Shakespeare, uh, if you've ever heard of him. Uh, Hopi Indian Prophecies. Pretty, it's pretty cool. Shakespeare or Dylan? Yeah, he's all right. Yeah, you know, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we're going to move that, on uh, to... That King Lear thing. Pretty cool. We're going <laughs> to move on to Kiss A the Cold. Now, this, that's Kiss, the letter A, the Cold. No commas, no periods, no parentheses. Kiss A the cold. Do you have any clue what that is, Hunter? Yeah, let us know. No, I'm asking you. Do you have any oh, clue? Oh, no, hell no. No, I'm, I'm asking everyone who's listening. Ah. Yeah, please. And then we're going to follow that with a little snippet called Love or Surrender. This is the full song. This is a bit of what I think is Butto probably trying to do something similar to Queen's Prophet song. The middle of that with Mercury multi-tracking himself.
Nothing is greater. Than love. Or surrender. thoughts and more emotions but um i think lover surrender is just gorgeous absolutely gorgeous mm. kudos to butto on that he wrote that he recorded that we should say that the writing credits are split pretty consistently traditionally with the musicians writing the music and butto writing the lyrics every now and then butto will come in with some of the writing credits as well for the music everybody was pitching in everybody was giving to this album and, and that's the other thing that makes last crack so interesting to me is because i think it's a thing of chemistry you know i think all these guys mattered for this album at this time oh, um, yeah and, and it's the core of last crack no doubt you say the cold starts with this great sample that i'm assuming butto took from maybe a party he was at we didn't play it but if you get the album and you listen to the song or you listen to the song or whatever you'll hear him having dialogue with a girl who's clearly not in a great place. If I'm going to drink, I'm going to drink, you know, like this, this whole thing. And, and, and she just sounds, I feel like I've had conversations like that in, in at drunken Iowa city house parties with, with, a, with some girl I, I didn't know yeah. and would never see again. And it's uh, a little disturbing or, or a person, a guy it could be a guy, uh, but somebody just kind of <laughs> down and out and really some of you, you were like, gee, I wish I never would have, you know, engaged them in conversation. So it's a great, sa- it's a great sample and a, and a piece of, I guess, field recording from Butto. Yeah. And also like probably maybe the darkest metal that we encounter on this album mm. in some uh, way. Good point. Good point. Speaking of that, it's, you know, it's funny to place these guys. You said Mind Over 4. If you look at the thanks list, the bands that they thank are Rapscallion, Fat Tuesday, King's X, Soul Asylum, Mind Over 4. And all those make sense. You know, all those really make a, a great kind of sense. And John Bush, <laughs> which is interesting because not Armored Saint, but John, John Bush. Bush. And I'm assuming yeah. that's the John Bush. It would it would make a lot of sense with the Dave Jordan connection. And uh, I um, yeah. I vaguely remember Fat Tuesday. And I, I saw I saw them live twice because they used to play Iowa City a lot. They were they on ended Red up Bull. getting a Columbia deal. 
I think. At well, I think time, it's like season to risk. Well, I think what happened, okay, Fat Tuesday was on this Minneapolis label called Red Decibel. And so was Rapscallion. So was Coup de Gras. Oh, uh, Coup de Gras. Was it possibly wow. M- Mass Optica was on that label? So they were they were a really Probably cool label. Band, yeah. They were a really cool label doing this kind of alternative metal stuff for lack of a better term and, and a lack of a better umbrella to put these bands under. But yeah, and I th- I think either Red Decibel got like a short-term Columbia distribution deal or maybe yeah. Fat Tuesday did it by themselves. But yeah, I completely remember a lot of those bands. Uh, Rapscallion too, I saw them live a couple of times simply because they played Iowa. So did Soul Asylum. So did Mind Over Four once. Soul Asylum was on Twin Tone. Yeah, and they and they come Other, from a, and, and then they actually got a legit just straight up Sony deal, I think. Oh yeah, they had not yeah, they they were always a little bit apart from some of the other Midwest stuff just in the sense they seemed to be steps ahead of of some of the others. Uh, and they, well, and two they they had a little more um uh kinship with something like The Replacements. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the world that Last Crack, uh, you know, sort of moved around in was was really interesting. And um, again, Madison's a, a, a big town for me. My band played there a few times at a place called OK's Corral, the same place I saw Melvin's on the Bullhead Tour. I've seen and played some good shows there. I just, great, great crowds, great people. I uh, love the town itself. Some great record shopping, some great pancake eating, by the way, and some great cheese curd eating. So if you're, if you're... Um, a fan of the real cheese curd, not the fake shit. You will have to be in Wisconsin to get it. Death to cheese curd posers. Do you know it? It must be room temperature. It must be squeaky. And it must have water at the bottom of the plastic bag. Okay. I, yeah, I didn't, I think I'm a poser. So yeah. See, you, I, dude, you, you don't know who you're rolling with, buddy. I don't. Yeah, I don't. You have let's, no idea. Let's move on. You have no idea how much I love the curds. This is Mac Balassus. And a song called Blue Fly Fish Sky. Hey, 
Well, anytime uh, you mention fine cologne, I suppose you're right. Yeah. Fine cologne, perfume and fine cologne. Yeah. Not just, not just <laughs> any cologne, Jeff. Not just your men and bullshit. Not, look, man, we're not, we're not going to the, the, you know, the fragrance counter at Belk here. <laughs> old, spi- old Spice. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. No, we're talking about fine cologne, sir. At least Chanel. But, yeah. <laughs> at the very least. Um, but... <laughs> again and and i've used this word probably a few times by now but the earnestness of it and just the the innocence and the you know the enthusiasm of it yeah completely and it's uh it's unfettered in a way where they're not really concerned about being metal that song is certainly not anywhere even close to metal it doesn't matter but that's where that's their root and the fact that they're going this way and Again, I, I feel like they're unfettered, like they're unchained. They just don't care. It's the emotion and the earnestness that matters, and they're following that muse. And yeah, you get to me. To me, that's a highlight of the album too. Yeah, take take these chains, take these chains off, take them off my heart. Yeah. Um, which was on your playlist recently, so good choice. This has been one of our more delirious episodes. 
Wormholes, baby, wormholes. <laughs> Let's go back to Mac Molasses. I don't think they ever say Mac Molasses. They say they Black, they they say Black Molasses. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, being, being a Southerner from Salerno, you must have mm. some. You must have some kind of opinion on Black Molasses. Oh, molasses. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know that I've ever. I don't think I've ever had molasses. Oh, you've never cooked with it, or it's never been in a recipe. Like, oh. dude, you're like. You're like the foodiest foodie I know. I mean, I am. Um, and I mean, I'm a, I'm a unapologetically Southern boy too. I right. don't know that I've ever cooked with or had molasses. Wow. Life's so interesting. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I sor <laughs> sorghum, a, yes. Sorghum. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, you know, cane syrup. Um, yeah. Damn. Damn. Cairo syrup. But yeah, molasses. I, I don't know, man. Interesting. Okay. Well, um, I'm surprised. I, I thought you would hit, be well versed in black molasses. Oh, I hate to disappoint you, but you know, tonight is a night of discovery, clearly. Mac Molasses. I mean, the song itself, I, I, I don't think there's a weak point on this album, but if there's one song I had to discard at gunpoint, I suppose it might be Mac Molasses. I mean, no, I like I, I like I, it. I, I'm not. That's the, that's a wormhole. I'm not going to go down. Sure, we don't we don't need to. So let's not. Let's move to the next two. This is this has been a lot of fun. We'll be back after this because there's a there's a very curious end cap to this album that I love so much. But this is Papa Magaya and uh, Downbeat Dirt Messiah. Again, I think these these are the two songs that describe the the weird dude on the upper left of the album cover. So uh, um, and and Papa Magaya is without question matt rosinski's favorite track on this album oh interesting that you know that he, he loves the song <laughs> since he's a father i'm gonna start calling him papa magaya <laughs> what's up papa magaya and uh downbeat dirt messiah let's go well, papa magaya, you see how you lived your life you're never ever satisfied one moment last suicide we believed in you
Clearly, they saved some of their deadliest and most low-slung moments for the end of the album. Yeah, yeah. I mean, both of those are killer. I think the meanness starts coming in that you might have heard more on the first album. Yeah, and that'll be Dirt Messiah is another highlight on an album of highlights. The guitar work on that near the end of that snippet, um, the layering of the vocals, but I'll go back to the guitar work. It's really great. Really the guitar game. work on you, you both of those man it's just yeah, like yeah it's like it, yeah it, like i feel like billy gibbons came in to produce the end of the record the, the end of the record suddenly like it's about the tone right the guitar tone it gets yeah and and even butto it's like all the passion that he has you know exhibited for the entire record it turns and it's just as passionate but it's a little it's angrier a little nastier yeah nastier exactly yeah yeah i mean again if we if you followed us this far in this episode ho- hopefully you're enticed uh and if you were already yeah thanks for celebrating this amazing amazing album with us uh we should note a few things one i wanted to mention um as we were listening to that i looked i was curious about what the singles were on this album and you're right one of them was energy mind mm. the other one was downbeat dirt messiah yeah and if that didn't happen in 91, maybe in 93, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like maybe yeah, a couple years later, yeah. this could have happened for them. I don't know. I'm just, um, like I, I said earlier that I don't care about that sort of thing, but in, at the same time, I love this album so much. And I really wish something could have happened so that they could have followed it up a lot quicker than they did. They put out a third album a few years ago that I only recently listened to. And I think it's okay. And it's got mm. the, it's got the entire original lineup, except for the drummer, of course, who passed at least I, I don't believe I'm mistaken there and it's okay but like you know it's many years later and um burning time do you, and, uh, do you know any of the uh run head start screaming stuff? that's that's the other thing I wanted to ask you about I don't I you know you know me I I I've never streamed music until I got my title subscription recently uh which meant that I was really not listening to stuff on YouTube I just had a weird thing about it yeah, um, yeah. that was the place to get something like that I, I think there have been bootlegs of it or if there was there have been yeah no it's it's been bootlegs bootlegged years and years and years ago so tell me about that and then tell me about and then tell me about white fear chain because what run head starts screaming i think is the stuff that they recorded after this that was supposed to be the third album demos yeah, is that right yeah yeah so it was like 93 94 there is a, you can so it's on spotify now if you've stayed with us this long and you're curious about where they went after this um you can find out via spotify i guess you would call it a compilation of demos that were recorded between 1993 and 1994 different vocalists a lot of really great stuff on it um certainly more for lack of a better word uh alternative certainly more um in line with the times Maybe more psychedelic even and less metal, but you can tell that the uh, the quality of songwriting has not been diminished at all by the absence of Budo. It's just, it's just a different, it's just a different band. Yeah, I think I probably didn't go for that or try to seek it out too hard because I, I figured Budo being gone mattered and this... Uh, there's a different drummer but i'm gonna have to check that out because well you know as ever it was uh boy boy kurgan who uh convinced me otherwise 
Interesting. Okay. I, I know, of course I, I remember the name. Yeah. Yeah. Nineties um, boat store, you know? Um, yeah. He, he reviewed uh, their demo and that one of those, one of their demos that, you know, was uh, compiled on that album back in nine, like late 93, 94. And, um, and, and reviewed it quite favorably. And when I finally heard it, I was uh, pleasantly surprised. And this is an interesting thing, you know, Butto left Last Crack. They went on with a different singer named, was it Sean something? Mm -hmm. Sean Brown? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Butto went to a band called White Fear Chain and joined up with uh, Steve Post, Paul Laganowski, and also Takas Kinnis from Realm. Three Realm guys in Butto. That's also something I've never heard. Um, I've never, I've never heard that. But it, you know, why not? We love Butto. We yeah. love Realm. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> Can I fucking goat rodeo or rerun in here? Yeah, too bad. Like it's weird. Like last crack, uh, with or without Butto, White Fear Chain. Like none of these bands probably uh, measured up to their potential. I, I always, ah, man, yeah. Why wasn't Burning Time humongous? I, I wonder. If anybody hears any flaws, write us at radicalresearchpodcast@gmail.com. We will read your email and then we will summarily trash it. Uh, yeah. we, we we do want to know if maybe we're just you think we're barking up the wrong tree. But um, no, this is a this is a classic in our world, in Matt Rizinski's world, in many other people's worlds that we know. Thankfully, uh, it does have a following. Matt Johnson certainly is one of them. Yeah, great band. What can yeah. we say? Uh, before we go, we need to announce uh, that we are approaching episode 93 next. And this is going to be an interesting one. The last two that we've done were ones that we should have done within like five or 10 episodes, just slam dunks in, in the world of Hunter and Jeff. We just finally got to them. This next one is one I don't think we ever would have done if it weren't for the suggestion and request of radical research listener and afflicted bassist Philip von Segebaden. We're really thankful that there's a dude from Afflicted listening to us. He bought my Fate's Warning book, and I thought, okay, wait a minute. I'm sending a book to Sweden for a guy named Philip von Segabod, and this has got to be the Afflicted guy. <laughs> <laughs> and ever since then, we, we've, had, we've had a nice little email exchange, and he's a fan of this, uh, of this podcast because he's a fan of lots of great music. And he said, why don't you guys do a track-by-track -track analysis of Swallowed in Black by Sadus? And we were like... Yeah, illusions would have probably been the first one we would do, and I think just because it's curiosity and 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 just what it is in in the world of metal, we would have done a vision of misery next. I don't think I ever would have considered a track by track of Swallowed in Black, but you know what? It sounded perverse enough that we were both like, "Yeah, let's do it." So this is for Philip. Uh, we'll, we'll be presenting that next we'll, episode. You will pretty much do anything for a member of Afflicted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If Joachim Brahms writes us and says, you know, um, cover, cover the works of Bob Dylan, we will do it. And, and yeah, and you know what? I can do it right now. Uh, yeah. They all suck. <laughs> Fuck Bob Dylan. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Joachim. <laughs> okay, so let's get on to the end of this episode. We're going to play you the entirety of Ooh, O-O-O-H, Ooh. Um, this Ooh. is another this is another butto excursion um it ends the album i think it's a wonderful and beautiful kind of perfect ending for an album like this don't you think oh yeah i mean yeah as well as you can end an album like this love is the only thing that will never die it's a simple line 
has a lot of gravity coming from Bono at the end of this great album. So thanks for joining us. And, you know, when you do Last Crack Burning Time, you go to Sata Swallowed in Black. It's just how we live. Thanks a lot. Love is the only thing that can 